Hello, friends and folks, and welcome back to the end of Scanline Media's 2021 Gimmick Awards. We have been celebrating the year of games and other media and our coverage of them, our experience with them, but now we're here to talk about the best game. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page. Yeah. And uh, we are looking for a definite single winner for best game. And then probably two runners up, possibly more. We'll see. Um, as is my way, I look at this list and I'm filled with scorn. So I bet I can whittle it down. <laughs> you start out with scorn, but then as you go through, you're like, damn, those were all right. <laughs> are you saying I'm a Kudere? I don't know what that is, but sure. You cover anime for... <laughs> you're a paid... Jennifer! anime critic. You don't know <laughs> we, what a Kudere is. I know what a Yandere is and a Sudere is, but... I've, I've never heard the other one. Google Kudere and tell me what you think. Okay. K-U-U-D-E-R-E. We're off to a great start, folks. Okay. Um, someone who looks... Calm, chill, or even cold. Don't read us. The, the, our listeners know what the fucking word means, Jennifer. Just tell us if it applies to me or not. God damn it. I don't know. You seem pretty goofy to me. Goofy? I would... I, I would I'm a- more of a Donald Duck, but okay. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I don't know. It would depend on which way Six gets on their skateboard, but, you know, it's... <laughs> We're way off track already. Uh, what a bunch of jokers. Anyway, game of the year. Yeah. Game of the year. Uh, Jennifer, could you read the list as is as is your your responsibility and our privilege to experience? Sure thing. So for game of the year, our options are Hitman 3, Deathloop, Monster Hunter Rise, Metroid Dread, Melty Blood Type Lumina, Resident Evil Village, Neo, The World Ends With You. Psychonauts 2, The Forgotten City, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Guardians of the Galaxy, Inscription, and Shin Megami Tensei 5. I know what we're cutting first. Well, okay, listen. I I, I appreciate uh, you I appreciate this this candor. I appreciate this uh efficiency. This is game of the year. I would love it if we could take a second before just being like, get this shit off my phone. I mean, you know I'll get there over the course of this podcast. You know I will. I'll be like, get this shit out of my sight. Curie, shoot this piece of shit. But uh, I just want to have a second to be like, hey, these are good games. Yeah, like every one of these games on this list are pretty damn good. Like, all things considered. Like There are some that, that, that do not work for me. But, it's, you know, that's all, it's all well done shit. Yeah. Congratulations to everybody who made the list. Right. It's it's like you know, you know, it's honor to be nominated, but like really, mm-hmm. it's like these were the some of the best experiences of the year. Um now Jen, to your bloodlust, please. <laughs> All right, when you put it that way. Um I don't think any of us here like Shimakama Tensei 5 enough to keep it on the list as is. That's going to be my first cut, too. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, listen, Shin Megami Tensei Five is a really, really good game, but also it's it's more Shin Megami Tensei, which, hey, 
isn't a bad thing, you know, like, um, well, here's the, here's the bad thing about it. I was actually, I was talking to a friend of mine and Jen's, uh, Ethan, AKA frosted mini wheats as they sometimes go by, um, who's a big SMT fan. And they talked about this game as being a weird type of gatekeeping. And I think I agree with their argument, which is that at this point, we can't pretend that it's not intentional that these games start out show you a few cool things really quickly and then make you grind for hours before you're allowed to see anything cool again it's gatekeeping Mm -hmm. yeah and it's unfortunate because like those opening couple hours are really strong and engaging like it's like the world as presented by smt5 is really spectacular like i love the art direction the character designs the music is really good, but you're right. Eventually you get into this slog of like, you don't have anything engaging going on. Like people complain about the persona games, but like, you know, at least even in those games, there's like, people are talking, <laughs> people are talking. There's a new character to talk to. There's a new dungeon here. It's like, there could be something to be said about like, I don't know, exploring a desolate world. But even then there are plenty of games out there that explore the idea of a exploring a desolate world and do it much better. And also there's not much exploring to be done. Like you walk around occasionally you get to like run over an orb that gives you money, but like there are no mechanics around like discovery or learning about the world. Right. Like is just if SMT5 generally just feels like a really souped up pretty version of smt nocturne and for some people that's not necessarily a bad thing and like i don't know i i have always found the combat of smt games to be like really fun and engaging but if you're not finding the fun in the combat there's not a whole lot smt5 offers that being said it's still really like well i mean from from people who played a bunch that i've talked to and heard from it actually does have like cool world building and story it just literally makes you wait 20 hours to get there and like it, it becomes a different game at the 20 hour mark and that's what i'm talking about with the gatekeeping is like mm-hmm. they they intentionally withhold this stuff before you prove you're hardcore enough and i think that's bullshit yeah, yeah. like anyway yeah yeah the thing that makes or breaks these sorts of games for me is just like I just like having characters to see and talk with and all that. And if I have something like that, I'm going to have like a hundred screenshots taken of it by the hour five mark or anything like that. But uh, if it's not doing that for me, then I'll probably play for a few hours and be like, I'd rather do something else. Yeah. Similarly, um, I think we can cut Neo, the world ends with you. I like, I really wish I could have spent more time with this game, like during 2021. Um, It just was unfortunate that I couldn't necessarily find the time for it. Like, I like the characters, you know, it has actually, it doesn't necessarily have the problem that ST5 has. Like, interesting things are starting to happen pretty immediately in that Mm -hmm. game. And it's, similar problem it's more the world ends with you which is great the world ends with you is an incredible game but it's also not really doing much to expand on it and as far as i can see 
so far, and I just didn't spend as much time as I would like. That said, its combat is great. I think the combat really captures the chaotic nature of that original DS game while being on a single screen. I like the ability to you're not queuing up moves like it's an unfortunate accessibility thing where different abilities are assigned different buttons you know based on the character's abilities like the pins that you equip to them but there is something really satisfying of like just finding a cool combo and like the game rewards you for finding those combos that work for you and it just is stylish as all hell looks incredible like, even on the Switch, like, compared to, like, you know, the PS4 and PC versions, the Switch runs, the Switch version runs really well, um, and looks, like, it's a looker. <laughs> like, if we, if we did, like, best art style or something, like, like, Neo 2E would really be in contention, but that's not this list, that's not, like, the awards we do. Um, but Neo 2E is great. I hope that the people who come to Neo 2E you know, find it as, like, I found the original game as very important and transformative in some ways for me. Um, maybe it's one of those games that made me think about my life in some ways. Um, and I, I, I can hope that maybe this a new generation of people playing Neo 2E can also have those experiences as well. Um, and I but, think, like, there's a there's a few things going on here, I guess, that I, I want to comment on. Like for for all of us, our time is our time is limited. We have a lot of things on our plate. Right. But some of these things we manage to play a lot of. And that's like. I think. Uh, Neo the World Ends With You ends up in a spot where it is a game that when you play, you're like, this is good, but it doesn't demand your time. Right. And I don't say that in like the gotcha sense of like make your fucking logins and get your login bonuses like there are games here that we're going to talk about that like I was like, I should probably play something else, but I can't get rid of this urge. I can't resist this urge to play more of this game. I found it so interesting, so fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always enjoyed my time with Neo, the world ends with you, but it didn't have that kind of charismatic demand. Um, but I do also want to say, I think what I saw of it, I mean, I do want to play more. And I think also it is doing an interesting thing. Like it does actually thematically feel like a sequel to the world ends with you as well, where the world ends with you is very much about like, Hey, make a couple of friends. It'll blow your mind. Right. Um, and Neo, the world ends with you is kind of a game that takes the one step further and says, okay, great. You've got an inner circle of friends. Did you know that if you're just cool and open to the people around you generally, mm -hmm. you just build a community and that's fucking sick. And it's it's really interesting the way it engages with that stuff. But yeah. I mean, we are cutting it. So yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I was <laughs> sorry to derail things, but every time you said Neo Tui, my brain just went, "Oh, oh yeah. the cyberpunk sequel to Banjo Tui." Yeah, that's also why I didn't say Tui is because it just makes me think of Banjo Tui. I well, like. <laughs> I, I I always think of Tui as like the world ends with you. But. Also, shouldn't it be Twewi? Moving on. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Neo Twewi. Neo Twewi. Which the next one we're gonna cut Jennifer? <laughs> um. Hmm. Hey Kyrie. Yeah. 
I bet we both like the fact that Melty Blood type Lumina exists more than we actually like playing it. I bet there's a there's a reason that over the last couple of months, anytime we've mentioned playing fighting games, neither of us have said Melty Blood. I still really like Melty Blood. Um Gosh. It's not bad. It's not it's bad. It's definitely not bad. I, I I don't think it has the like I feel like characters the universal mechanics are so universal that it leads to a lot of characters feeling generic and samey in a way that doesn't capture the kind of charm they showed in first first of all the uh Melty Blood actress again, current code, etc. 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 Um or in the Undernight series. Right. On some level, like I I am really impressed that Melty Blood type Lumina exists. And maybe it doesn't make top three, but there's a reason like granted, even on my own personal list, originally Melty Blood type Lumina was gonna be my it was originally planned to be my number two, but then I was writing about Uniclear, and I was like, oh no, I have like way more passion for Uniclear than I do um melty blood which isn't necessarily a bad thing like truth be told melty blood type lumina is a really excellent fighting game um i think that its mechanics are really fun and like relatively simple but there's a lot of depth to them i think that um like i you know i think like it, it just flows really nicely i think one of my favorite things about Melty Blood type Luna is that, like, it's a simple thing, but, like, it means that French Red is willing to, like, experiment with, like, certain conventions and ideas. Like, for example, like, in, in, like, round one, in Open Your Magic Circuit or whatever, every, both characters have access to three bars. But if you lose a round and you go to turn your Magic Circuit, the player that lost the previous round gets an extra bar. And that's really cool. Like, that's a really interesting idea. I can't think of any other fighting games off the top of my head that do that sort of, like, round-to-round, -round, like, change. But it's a neat idea. Um, I think... I mean, like, KOF does that with losing characters. You get access to more super. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, like, I guess... The problem I have with Melty Blood, I didn't tell you this, Kyrie, mm -hmm. but when we were playing a bunch of Melty Blood, I was like, I need to get, I play Saber, I need to get better at Saber. And I looked up some, like, guides to Saber, some videos that were made by the top-ranked Saber in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And the videos were like, hey, so hit auto combo and reset people. Uh, if you have moon skill, you can do a DP sometimes. Uh, there are all these combos you can do. They do like five more damage than auto combo when they're really hard. So just do auto combo. And I was like, oh, okay. And it just really took the wind out of my sails. <laughs> sure. Um, I guess like at this point, like I would be the only one like fighting for type Lumina just in general. Um, so I could see it go. But I still think like even a French bread fighting game that isn't as good as say Uniclear is still a pretty damn good fighting game. Um, I think that I am really interested to see where it goes. They're, you know, bringing out new characters and who knows, maybe like, maybe it'll, it'll just take for type Lumina to get to, you know, like, like, you know, having another revision or two and it can really get there. Um, mm -hmm. 
which is like the thing that I like like about fighting games is a willingness to like with you know version revisions you can really make some interesting changes um i still think it's a pretty fun accessible fighter i really like its characters um but yeah it, it does not necessarily stay on this list um but hey there's supposed to be a new undernight expansion <laughs> coming out and so that's good. great that's going to be really exciting because undernight rocks um and I'm just glad that Melty Blood Type Lumina like exists and is getting French bread like more attention and like because they they deserve it. Um, they make some really stellar fighting games. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Been a pretty good run for you so far, Jen, huh? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, it's, uh, Jen has the classic strategy of staying quiet and none of her picks get cut. Uh, but that's going to change here. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't hang in top three. Hmm. It, it, listen. Yeah. I, it, it I would basically have to be your game of the year, Jen, because neither of the two of us have feelings, really. Yeah. It, if it I, is, then, you know. I have other things I want to fight for anyway, and... Not to get into too deep spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy, but near the end, like, there's various bits that uh, wrap up for various characters' plots, and each time that happens, it gives you a little screen that's like, by accepting the death of this character, this other character has a new ultimate ability that does plus 10% medium damage when activated, and it's like... (laughs) Wow, this is just about the worst way you could present this, huh? But, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, like other games on this list, is feels something like a happy accident. Like, there's no way that it should be this good, especially given the way that it was presented uh, all throughout 2021. But it really is that good, and it's a fantastic character action game if you're in the mood for, like, a third-person shooter um, with a bunch of funny characters who have some real baggage behind them. Yeah, like, it's... I think Guardians got its, like... Guardians got its due and best surprise. And that's not, like, a really good metric for these types of lists, I know. But also, I think, like, Guardians is more of a surprising game, but, like, it's surprising that it is decent. It is surprising that this game is, like, a fucking, you know, four out of five rather than, like, absolute dog shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little it's a little above average, which is still good. Like, I don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, a fun game. Um, it should not have been as good as it was, but I don't think it hangs here. I It's still worth playing. It's still very surprising and fun, but doesn't quite make the cut. Also... Given the way that Square Enix treats its uh, Western properties and stuff, like every few months it'll go, it goes on sale for like twenty to thirty dollars. So at at that price, it's pretty much something you should pick up no matter what, because it is just a fascinating game that's worth your time. Excuse me. Hmm. Let's We're see. We're getting down to it. This is this is what happens when I don't add very many things. Is there's there's less 
just easy cuts. Like I could have put Code Fairy on here and someone would have said Code Fairy isn't top three and I would have said you're right. So I just didn't bother. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go for one of the harder ones then. I don't think Monster Hunter Rise is top three. No. I don't either. Monster Hunter Rise, like, yeah, it has some, like, fucking problems, but there's a reason it's my game of the year of 2021. Monster- do you know what the reason is, Kyrie? I'm really sorry to do this. I've been say I've been sitting, I've been, I've been putting my fist, I've been biting on my, biting my tongue for 14 categories now. It's Diet Monster Hunter. It's Monster Hunter Zero. It's just because you didn't get into a good Monster Hunter before. I'm sorry, but like if you'd played any significant amount of world, you would be disappointed by Rise. Okay. There might be some truth <laughs> to that. <laughs> However, I am now yeah. much more interested in exploring the rest of Monster Hunter because of this game. Because of this yeah. game, by making the like Yes, it still has some of the inaccessibility problems that Monster Hunter has been plagued with. I still think it does some very smart things to, sure, it might be Monster Hunter light, as you put it. But maybe I needed that so that I can decide, like, I could find what I what is fun about Monster Hunter. And I think Monster Hunter Rise has that figured out because it's just... The act of just hunting monsters is still really fucking cool. Um, I think, like, yeah, the wirebug mechanic doesn't change that much, but that little extra change, that little extra bit of movement means that, like, even in the early goings-on of that game, I feel like I can whip myself around like a character, like in a character action game. As I got better at the game, I found myself using the wirebugs more for, like, its utility moves rather than, like, movement. But Mm -hmm. I think Monster Hunter Rise's success is due, like, it... Like I said, it got me interested. It made me realize why Monster Hunter is fun in the begin with. And makes me want to explore the rest of the franchise at this point. Maybe I will play World. And be like, oh yeah, world is like 20 times better. But you can't necessarily discount like what Rise does if Rise makes it like, it's the half step. Like you can't just, if you're learning how to swim, you just can't go onto the deep end, you know, on your first time. Maybe it has to be in this shallow end before you can dive into the rest of it. And when you think of Monster Highs in conversation with the other monster hunters, I think Rise succeeds. I guess I'll say I'll say I like I I know we're not cutting it right now, right? Mm-hmm. This is a conversation we're going to revisit later on um for for to whatever end. What I will say for now is I I don't at all mean to discount your experience of it. I do think Rise doesn't do as much as you think it does, like even as far as being accommodating, I think it's just the case that it was on the Switch and it was in the right place right time. Um and then also I I do think we're at a situation where, like, I, it is your game of the year, and that makes it a very strong contender, but that doesn't guarantee it top three, because... Sure. I just like, don't... I mean, like, I didn't recommend my game of the year. Sure. I... Listen. Wait, actually, if, I did. Never mind. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, shut up, Six. What I am saying, however, is that I don't think we can cut Monster Hunter Rise yet. If it doesn't yeah, make top that's... three, that's fine. But we can't cut it now because, like, sure, it's not like, like it may be just a, like, a slight refinement on previous mechanics and ideas. But I think there's something to be said of a game hitting at the right place in the right time. Being it on the Switch made it very easy for me to either just, you know, play, you know, in bed or play on a screen or whatever and give me the time investment because, again, Monster Hunter games are a time investment. You have to, like, really take the time to think about, like, you know, if you even like this game, right? And previous entries have made, there are certain things I think Rise does to make this a little bit more accessible. And it's little things like the fact that it's loading is like fucking lightning fast. It's like, you don't have time to think about like, oh, do I really want to play this game? Like you're already in it. You're in the hunt and you're just going and fighting a big monster. And it works for me on that level. That's fair. So yeah, like if we cut it later, that's fine. But at this juncture, we have other cuts to make. What I will say is, I as as though I though I have I'm not nearly as strong on Monster Hunter Rise as you are. I did at least enjoy it. I did not enjoy Psychonauts two. Oh come on, <laughs> I I didn't. Okay. I I I felt like it was a like. The original Psychonauts, the, the, the problem is, I like, I want to compare it to the original Psychonauts, but uh, to you, that's a compliment, and to me, it's not. It's like, yeah, no, I mean, they put a, love, a lot of love and care into this generic 3D platformer. I don't know. I just didn't care at all. I don't, I don't think it controls well. I don't think it's fun, and the writing was not interesting enough for me to care. They did a, there were a few moments where I was like, oh, that's kind of clever, but, like, that's the most I ever felt. Psychonauts 2... Like, it is astounding that it even exists. Like, it is the sequel to a game that released from a publisher that was already on its way out. Um, It released at a time when people were generally over 3D platforms as a genre. Um, It sold like shit. And through crowdfunding and <laughs> Microsoft pushing it over the edge so that over the line so that they could like afford to have bosses and things like that um Psychonauts 2 came out over a decade later and it's like it it's it's simultaneously like Psychonauts never left just because of how well it picks up the threads from the first game and also it is so much more mature than the first game in important ways. Like, as much as I love Psychonauts 1, like, the way it treated mental health fucking sucked. <laughs> like, the second half of that game has you running around an asylum, um, going through, whoa, aren't these people crazy? Like, going through their heads and stuff. And it doesn't hold up at all, that element, when you go back to it. But Psychonauts 2 instead focuses on, like, genuine trauma like there's a particular level you go into later in the game the specific uh psychic slash gardener and 
you basically dive into his history with alcoholism and the tragedies that have more or less pushed that forward in his life, and it is handled with such genuine care. Like, the way he is written reminds me of some of my own extended relatives who have also struggled with alcoholism, and that they nail it so well, and that the game ultimately shows so much sympathy for everyone you're working with. Like, even the main villain of the game is shown this gigantic amount of sympathy. It is... It is such a thoughtful game, and it also happens to hit all the things we wanted to see from Psychonauts after the first one came out. Like, you get to meet Raz's extended family, you get to go on... Psychonauts missions, like genuine ass Psychonauts missions. It is, huh? <sighs> it it's kind of amazing that it didn't make my number one. Given all this, but like, it is a remarkable achievement on so many levels. And I don't know. I I look at everything else on this list, and I'm not seeing anything that I would fight for with the same candor that I'd fight for this. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, I don't have it, like, I'm, I'm, it's cool they're lending all this pathos to the cartoon characters they made, like the evil dentist man, but, like, they're cartoon characters, and the game's not fun, and I don't care. I think, if I may chime in with, like, Psychonauts 2, it's, I am also glad that it exists, in the same way that I, I'm glad, like, Melty Blood Type Lumina exists. Like, it had a lot of, like, hurdles to cross. And that's... That is remarkable. It really is. And... I, I, I'm not trying to discount, like, the way you felt about, like, these characters, either. Um, but also, like, you know... you. I don't know. I feel like, you know, you develop like one game long enough, you eventually figure out that stuff in some ways. Um, I don't know. I, I think like, I'm glad Psychonauts 2 is here. And there are some like funny moments in the game. Like when Raz like makes a offhand joke about like, when you finally go back to the original camp from the first game and, um, Raz's voice actor goes, it's like, wow, it's like I haven't been here in days. Like, it's pretty funny. But I also think about, like, the mechanics haven't necessarily kept up. Like, it's still, you know, a big collectathon, and, like, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but even collectathons have found, like, more interesting ways to, like, deliver on that sort of thing. Like, if you like that original Psychonauts, like, sure, it works. And I like the original Psychonauts as well. But I didn't have that much interest in 2 either. Um, because it was like... I, I was more interested in hearing, like, the the development of that game, I think, is a little bit more interesting than the game itself. Like, I, is, the, is the crowdfunding platform, like... <laughs> Like that, it was made on even it's still a thing at this point. Kind of, yeah. So, technically, and, like they're still they're they're still giving folks the monetary rewards that they got for backing it on a certain level. I think and all that. 
It just Microsoft oh. also got involved and bought Double Fine and went, yeah, we'll help you. Yeah, like then I find the story a little less impressive because Microsoft just has like oodles and oodles of money. Well, thing is, like they got most of the way there. It was just like we're gonna make this, but we don't have the money to add boss fights to it. And Microsoft was the one that went, okay, we'll help you add boss fights. And I mean, you know, I I don't want to be petty here. I just think I, I don't want to count the development troubles as part of what makes it a good game, partially because I don't want to, like, praise. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them that they got the game they wanted to make across the door. I don't want to praise messy development. And I also, like, if you want to talk about, like, at that point, like the the oh, here's the petty one is saying, why don't we give an award to Duke Nukem Forever? And the less petty one is saying Metroid Dread took twenty years. I guess so. I guess technically you could say Metroid Dread took twenty years. More more, <laughs> it would be more accurate to say it took like three to four years or whatever. But no, yeah. it wouldn't. That's not true at all. Dread had there are design docs for Dread dating back to the original DS, and there are versions of the game they made and scrapped. I mean, like if you say like, if if you say that like only the final draft of an article counts, then like sure, I guess it only took them three four years. But like, that's not the case with Psychonauts either. Psychonauts they were working on it in various ways until they finally made the final sprint. Yeah, that's I just guess not that's how true. game development happens. Okay, right. it's clear that I'm not gonna be able to. Get either of you I on mean, Psychonauts I, too, so let's cut it. I'm also going to go ahead and cut uh, Ratchet and Clank because I assume neither of you are going to fight for it. Nope. Um, I would probably put it in the top three, which I think, I, I feel like that should surprise people. Um, <laughs> Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is incredible. It is a It is a beautiful, fun wonderfully paced joyous action platformer it's the best action platformer i've ever played um if i were making this list it would be barely in the top three because here's the but, thing like I, yeah. I guess like my whole thing about like ratchet and clank ripped apart is like it's like yeah it's a really great refinement on ratchet and clank they've also been making that game for a while I mean, I hear you, but, like, the last Ratchet & Clank game I gave a shit about was the second one they made on PS2. I've tried True. just about every other Ratchet & Clank game they've made and said, fuck this. That is fair. Um, so that's a lot of games that I've tried and bounced off of, and Rift Apart's amazing. But, like, Rift it doesn't matter. It's cut either way. Sure. Do we... Here's a question. Uh-huh. I know, like, I know Dread was on my top list. I think Dread was on all our lists, Mm-hmm. But is Dread top three? No. I don't think so either. I mean, like, uh, for me it is, right? For me, it's, for me, it would be one of the three on my list, right? But, like, I, the reason I would want to cut Metroid Dread right now is not because I have other things I want. It's because I want to leave room for things that other people feel strongly about. Um, That this list isn't just about me, right? Right. Um. And, like, and that's why we wrote personal lists as well. Right, know? right. Like, I think Metroid Dread is sick. I have a few problems with it, but, like, I'm playing it again on hard mode. I'm having a fantastic fucking time. The game is just fun as shit and gorgeous, and 
you know, I don't want to say things like worth the wait. That's sort of like t- tied into a whole thing I don't want to get into. But like, I'm I'm really happy we got this after all this time. But like, I don't feel like there's a level of personal investment from any of us on that game. All of us just think it's good to varying degrees. Like, I think Kyrie and I are probably the strongest on it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jen. I don't mean to re- misrepresent you. Um, I like it a whole lot. I just, um, yeah, it's one of those situations where it's very good. It's a very good Metroid game, but that's not the kind of thing that usually tops my list. Yeah. I mean, you know, Metroid Fusion is one of my favorite games ever. Um, I think Metroid Prime is one of the like three or four best games ever made. I love Metroid, but I don't think we would be doing ourselves like I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice by putting it in the top three, so we should cut it. Yeah, I think dread. Like just briefly, dread is a incredibly fine search action game. Like it is very much like there's a reason half of the name of Metroidvania is Metroid, right? And uh, Mercury uh, Mercury Stream is it Stream or Steam? I forget. Steam, and also it's it's funny because the other half of Metroidvania is just what if RPG elements, which is actually usually the shittiest part of any Metroidvania. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because it was like, oh, damn, Symphony of the Night. And Symphony of the Night, dope game. Great. Yeah. It's great, but it was mostly more fun to, like, search the castle than, like, level up. Um, mm-hmm. But Metroid Dread is really fantastic. It's, like, Metroid has had a bit of a, like, a shaky history, to say the least, in the past couple of releases. Um, mm-hmm. But damn, it's a solid game. It's really good. Shame you can't reassign any of the buttons. Uh, that's a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But it still plays really well. It's like, you can beat it in like, you know, one or two days. Like, you can beat that this game in like a dedicated afternoon. Like, you can really get far in maybe like a dedicated afternoon or two. You beat this game, it's short. It works really well and very like conducive to replays. I watched many speed runs of Dread and some of the tech they developed to like very early on. Like, damn, that's gonna be a cool GDQ run in like a year or whatever. Like if they don't already have it on the docket for like the summer, you know, speed run event. But at the end of the day, I think that there are other games on this list that are more representative of what we want to like they're a little bit more representative of what we want to like award like on this i think yeah so okay like cards on the table here hitman 3 is going to win this category right um i yeah it's i can't see any version of this list that doesn't have it on the top three and there are definitely things that are still on here that I'd cut before it as well. Yeah, so I, I think mean, we're we're at a... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Kyrie. I was just going to say, like... Yeah, like, Hitman 3, definitely a top three and very strong contender for, like, game of the year. Like, I, th- I think, like, even if it is nobody individually's strongest feeling on here, though it is mine, um, I think it would be the most consensus. I feel like, I mean... It's going to be top three. Guaranteed, it will probably win. Um, So what we're really looking at is two, possibly three more. And at that point, I feel like there are some... We're in a situation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Um, like everything that's left, I think, is a good game. I will say, um, and, and and by cutting it, by no means are we saying it's a bad game. Obviously, right, right. Um, and like, I mean, I I think I I will even say everything left on here I like, which was not true of the original list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I I I, I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to get into meta stuff here, but over the course of these awards, I have gotten some dubs that I'm not sure I deserved, right? <laughs> I've gotten some wins that I was like, wow, I got that one? Okay. I am willing to cut inscription here. Oh, okay. I, I you, you were going to say Deathloop. You thought I was going to say Death. I mean, if you want me to say Deathloop, I'll say Deathloop. That's fine. We can cut Deathloop. I think Deathloop's fantastic. I think it's absolutely one of the three best games of the year, but... You know, I like. I assumed there was more passion in this room for Deathloop, but if there isn't, then we can cut it. Yeah, I, I've definitely Deathloop is something I definitely want to go back to now that I've thought it through a bit more, and I think that the um, Cole and Juliana um, interactions would play better without uh, having played twelve minutes right after it. But it's left me conflicted about what a good arcane game means to me because I thought when I played Deathloop, when I started playing Deathloop, I thought it was going to be like the perfect, exactly what I was looking for. Like no moral repercussions for using all the cool tools, um, simplifying things by getting rid of the bodies entirely and just having little wisps that kind of give away their position, but you can find ways to negate that. Um, And it's more just putting you in a spot and letting you go hog wild, see how things go. But I realized that without that anchor of what you're doing here can affect things around you. It felt, I almost felt like I wasn't part of the setting at all. The same way that I felt I was part of the setting for arcane's other immersive Sims, like dishonored or prey or things like that. Like, Deathloop feels very slight, and it's not a slight game because there's so much you can uncover, there's so much to do there, but from the way it's presented, like, you jumping between various menus to get to each thing, and to the fact that what you're doing there effectively never matters unless you're actually breaking the loop, like, the guards will always just respawn the next day... Everything will just go back to the way it was. Like I mean, I I think overall, like the the points you've been making, I didn't expect to agree with, and I mostly do. Um, you've kind of convinced me of of some things, but I don't think it's fair to say that there are no objectives that are worthwhile. There are a ton of things you can do to gather information or to get resources for your next run, etc., etc., etc. There's a bunch of stuff to do that isn't just the one run to win the game that gets you stuff and mm-hmm. like maybe honestly maybe if you approach it with that mindset you'll have a better time because i have never tried to do the loop yet i've always been gathering information and resources and it's and also just like exploring and it's been a much i think i've had a much better time with the game than you because of that yeah the exploration stuff is genuinely cool like finding the um little questionnaires that each member of this uh, higher-up cabal have filled out. That That's always very fun, just to see their various notes, listen to their audio logs, all that sort of stuff. Like, 
all of that is still incredible the same way it has been in other arcane games. I just, like, I wish I felt like I was more of a part of this world than I am. Like, Cole how you, you can go into Cole's apartment and you can see all of the places where you could see his effect on the island and all that, but inhabiting that character, I felt like I might as well have not existed for the most part. Like, I'm just a ghost following up these various clues and uh, occasionally affecting things, but it feels empty in a way that I wasn't expecting when I was getting excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. The fact that there is no concept of a nonviolent interaction is uh, makes it feel hollow in ways. Yeah, and like... Maybe that ties into the broader point the game is making, just the way that every th lives are devalued because of the fact that it's all just going to reset anyway. But it doesn't make for a very satisfying experience when you run into that yourself. Though, honestly, that's also a criticism I'd make of a lot of Dishonored. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. It's cut. Um, sure. And it's a good game. But right. I had a moment where I had a Xenoblade flash, a vision, if you will, of what mm -hmm. the future is going to be. And I'm now going to try and break that vision because okay. I don't want it. We need to cut Resident Evil Village right now. <laughs> I, I kind of agree. Okay. Resident Evil Village. Okay. First of all, it doesn't do justice by anything after Lady Demetresque. I mean, the, the baby sequence is, is, like, I know you have your fondness for it, and I can't speak because I pointedly avoided it. In fact, it made me quit the game. Um, but, like, the narrative doesn't doesn't do what it needs to do. It's kind of incoherent. You're collecting baby parts to fix, to, like, glue them back together like you've broken your fucking model of a Zaku. Uh, <laughs> you, there's, there's a bunch of, like, gross character shit. Like, they, there's, there's you know, like, the, like, oh, there's the mutants in the windmill, the freaks, and, like, there's the way they treat the Duke that's really shitty. The Duke and could have been such a fucking cool character. Like, he could have been such a cool dude, but they're like, so shitty about it. Yeah, if they had just, like, he could still be fat, just don't make fucking fat jokes about it. Like, if the Duke was just a guy who just showed up in this village with his fucking wagon and cooked you a good meal, and just, like, like, it was like, it, his voice is incredible, and is really fun, and it just sold you weapons, and again, wasn't, like, portrayed as a shitty fat joke. Like, damn, the Duke would have been great. Um, and some of the later bosses of Village are fun, um to interact with but damn lady dimitrescu is so fun and then she only makes up like a quarter of the game and even then like listen i enjoyed that portion of the game but also every time i got into some some <clears throat> lady troubles if you will i just went back to a save room and i saw her not able to get through the doorway standing there with her knives ha hands out just like like tea posing until she got bored and left and it's just like this is a consequence of how you've designed things, but boy, does this undermine the atmosphere you're going for. That being said, I think before we cut it, I think it has a really good sense of humor. Um, as I've said in a previous award, you know, Resident Evil 7 is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This game is like Evil Dead 2. 
It really captures the corniness and campiness of horror. Like, I don't love engaging with horror, truth be told. Like, I have issues with it. But I could sit through an LP and watch Jen play Resident Evil 8 because it's just so stupid and goofy and fun. Um, and that's a success in general. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think there are too many dings against it. I think it is a really great game in general. Like, I mean, even a subpar like Resident Evil game sometimes is actually like pretty damn good. Um, I would put I would put Village in the top three Resident Evil games, and that's a series I have a lot of respect for. Yeah, Village is great. It like. Like I, I love the fact that like like it re- like there's a fucking mercenaries mode in it, like and just turns it into a big arcade shoot 'em up, and like that's fun too. Like I I am glad that they are returning to like as much of a reboot of like Resident Evil Seven was of just being like a game of almost pure horror. Like it still had its campy moments, but now like um. A village has fully embraced camp in a way that is like really fun and engaging, but I don't think it's top three. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's fair. And like, it is uh, many of the things you're pointing out as problems with it are just like comes with the territory for Resident Evil. Like, I think about how some of the later parts are weak, and specifically going through that one dude's factory is bad but also like that is just resident evil to a t like to to t virus you just it always has the sequence where you're going through a lab or a factory or something like that and it kind of sucks but it also gives you some neat set pieces but like does like i mean i to me that like I, i i agree with you but i don't think that's an excuse right to me that's that's like that feels like being like well you know the like the politics and call of duty are always fucked so i guess it's fine it's like no so it's not so it's fucked <laughs> right it's not a fair comparison but the fact that this element of resident evil is basically every time bad means it's still bad i guess you're right in that regard but yeah it, it's i'm really happy that village exists and it is up there at the top like one of the great things about Resident Evil games in general is that this is something I could see myself replaying like tomorrow, just because Resident Evil games are so short and to the point and have very little fluff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it is one of the situations where if they had done just a few things better, like if they had done better by the Duke, if they had uh, gotten into a little less ableism for some of these characters and... Uh, if they had stuck the landing with some more parts of it, then I think also, it would be Also, if Chris made three. any sense in the plot at all. <laughs> yeah, that the whole thing, the whole plot goes on a misunderstanding where, well, I guess, should I just say it? Because it's... Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I don't, think it, I don't think we get anything out of saying it, so we might as well not spoiler it. But it's like, it's like harem anime's level of just like, just not stating what is happening and thus causing a huge problem. It's like, mm-hmm. Chris, you could just say what you did and why you did it, and everything would be fine. Yeah, even the other characters, 
with Chris are like, hey, Chris, you really should have just spoken up. What the fuck, man? <laughs> it's, just, it's just like they realized that their con- the conceit, the setup for their game made no sense. And they're like, we can either build a new beginning of the game, which we spent a lot of money on, or we could have someone say, hey, Chris, that was dumb. <laughs> uh, guess which they picked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're down to we're down to four. Okay. Tell me why, Jen, tell me why Forgotten City makes this list. Okay. Leaning back. <laughs> Forgotten City is... I just want to hear the argument. Please understand. I just want to hear the argument. So, I love narrative mysteries hey, like this. Popcorn? Sorry, don't <laughs> <let> me. <laughs> I love mer- I love narrative mystery games that just present a world to you and find little ways to like reveal what's going on and also find ways to upend your understanding of what exactly is happening here and forgotten city isn't and forgotten city is an incredible one of those like it's made by a team of three people and it was initially a elder scrolls mod and you can definitely see that whenever they zoom into someone's face when you talk to them but uh it's, it just finds this creative way to tell a story about the way cultures kind of erase other cultures as they come along, or they take bits and pieces and build on top of it, and in this case, literally building on top of it. I do have a problem with the way it ends. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and that is you don't you don't okay. Uh, spoilers for the God, Forgotten City. You don't think it's really great that it ends with you logic owning an alien god, <laughs> and that you specifically lead up to that by finding a dude in one of the the lower levels. It's like ah, let's get into some debate, shall we? <laughs> and you basically just throw those exact arguments back at the god. It's like, well, shit, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> and also that guy, the, the guy is such a, like, the premise of the game is that, is the concept of the golden rule, which is basically don't, like, do not sin or else everybody's going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And setting aside the logic owning of what is, cons- what is, is and isn't considered a sin, the things that will get people after how many years of living without sitting to just fly off the handle and do things they know will get everyone murdered are stupid. The fact that this guy down in the fucking catacombs is like, I find the information that possibly Egyptian culture was inspired by that culture existed before the Egyptians unsettling. I will murder all of us. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense, man. (laughs) I just, I think this game is cool. I like it. It's a good game. I think people should play it. I think lots of people should play it. I think especially people who want to make, like, mystery visual novels could stand to learn some things from this game. I don't think it's Game of the Year material. I think you might have a point there. Um, I just just had it. Okay. Okay. You're probably going to shut me down, but I just want to float this. Yeah. We've talked about how we're allowed to expand the list of runners-up. Mm-hmm. What if we contracted it? What? No. What if we had only one runner-up? 
No. Because these others are unworthy. <laughs> no. And top the, if three. we're if we're contracting <laughs> because it because that would just make me pissed off. If we're contracting it that I'm un <laughs> that I'm uncanceling Metroid Dread and it's gonna be just Hitman 3 Metroid Dread because I can't uh, see a world okay, in which listen, okay, you wanna do that. I, I, I can't see Damn. a world in which inscription goes above Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay. Talking about it like you're talking about the medium. Slow down, sister. <laughs> I'm not saying inscription has to be in the top, but I think the way you said like I can't I can't live in a world where inscription is a gay people like like settle down. I was just putting it the same way you were talking about Resident Evil Village. Like I just And that's unfair. You know inscription is a way more like what however much you like it, you know that inscription is a way more interesting and inventive game than Resident Evil Village. You know that. On some level, I do. On another level, I need to play more of it. And that's not fair to Inscription, but you're the only one who's played a significant amount of Inscription to, like, attest to it going places and things like that. So why don't we do a top two, then? Why don't we do... You know what? Why don't we do Hitman 3 and Monster Hunter Rise? No! <laughs> I think I think the list is... Hitman, Monster Hunter, and Inscription. All right, if you want to take the easy way out, I guess we could do that. <laughs> do you want everybody to go? Like, listen, it is very late at night. <laughs> do I want to be the heel of Scanline Media? Gosh, I wonder what I envisioned when I, alongside Jen, started this site all those years ago. I wonder if I was trying to be in some way antagonistic to the world. Let's think about this. I wonder if the number one South South Stan has something to say about being true to yourself or true to the world. <laughs> I, I I do think that... I, I do have problems with Monster Hunter Rise specifically. Like I think that the way that its progression is mostly focused on gear is unsatisfying. And I also think that the fact that it isn't cross-platform in 2022 is such a big blow against it. Like, the whole point of the, the... The meat and potatoes of that game is playing with your friends. And by releasing a PC version and a Switch version, and neither one of them can interact with the other, like, they're just driving a wedge in the entire functionality of that game. Like... To the point where I almost wish a PC version didn't exist. It's a it's a good point. You know, I feel like we're confusing people by saying best game and then listing multiple games. What if we just did one? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't do that. <laughs> but do you want to? I would. I would un. I I would uncross that Metroid Dread and then cross that Monster Hunter Rise before I did that. Kyrie, how would you feel about that? I would feel a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like... Sure, I am the one who was deeply into Monster Hunter this year, obviously. I put over 100 hours into that game. Yeah, it sucks that it doesn't have crossplay. Like at the very least, like like the two versions have parity with each other. But you know, you're right. That's not enough in this day and age. 
However, I find the loop of Monster Hunter Rise so incredibly enticing and the gear stuff like the gear stuff works for me in a way of I can look at these gear trees and be like, oh, that thing, that is cool. I want to get that thing. It like has that very primal urge of like, I want to fight the monster to get the thing. And then I look at the compendium and I'm like, oh shit, if I fight a monster in a specific way, I'll be able to get that thing more easily. Possibly. I know this is the bread and butter of Monster Hunter. Like, I know that basically every Monster Hunter game since the PS2 has done this in some way, shape, or form. However, I think it being on the Switch, it being, like, so easy, like, is obscenely easy to set up, like, games with your friends. Like, we had, like, like, it... Like, I think it's connectivity, like, it, they they refreshed the server, like, they got rid of the servers that were making checks for Windows 98 <laughs> and Nintendo so that, like, the servers ran good. And in my hours of playing online, I only rarely ran into problems. Like, yeah, we ran into that one weird connection problem with, like, the Rampage when we were in, like, local, like, connection, but... Really, that was, like, some of the only issues I really ran into. When I was playing it with, like, randos and or some friends who were just online, like, it works really well. Hell, even the unfun Rampage mode, when you have three or other people with you coordinating stuff and taking on the monsters on different waves, it feels pretty damn good because there is something to be said of like just being able to communicate with other players and be like okay we need a rampart here we need to do this this and this and you know things don't always go optimally optimally like shit like breaks in certain ways like but within the mechanics of the game like you know the monster attacks like your bat your bastilla or whatever and it drops a line of defense it like it still works when you get when you're in that multiplayer context it works so much better and like yeah the single player stuff doesn't leave a great impression but i view the single player stuff as like one very long extended tutorial to get to that multiplayer stuff i listen i'm not saying monster hunter rise wins this category i don't think it is the absolute best because i'm leaning towards like hitman 3 being like the best game of the year but i think Discounting what Monster Hunter Rise did for me personally, like, like I was really enthralled and engaged by this game during 2021. I'm curious. All I asked was if you were interested in the bargain. <laughs> no, no. I just, I think, uh, okay, okay. I think I? a top, sorry. It's, uh, I assumed there was more interest in Inscription. I think we should cut Inscription and add Metroid Dread and have that be our top three. Yeah. I think I, that I would think work, if, yeah. I think if either of us had played more Inscription, which kicking myself is... for not doing, um, it would have been Hitman 3, Inscription, and uh, Monster Hunter Rise. But uh, because we didn't end up doing the legwork, uh, I think that is... Metroid Dread... And... Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, like, we all beat Metroid Dread. Like, that was, like, that should be a testament to, like, how chaotic our lives were in 2021. The fact that we all beat Metroid Dread, like, yeah, it's a short game or whatever, but we all beat Metroid Dread, right? That is yeah. 
an achievement in some ways. And you're right, maybe we cut Dread a little too early, but hey, it's our list and it's back. That's great. And mm. I want to play more of Inscription. I played the demo and I was like, this shit rocks. I w- and I bought like the full version on like the Epic Store. I'm like, I need to play this game. I love the aesthetic. I love the, you know, card, you know, card games are my very specific brand of brain worms, but damn, Inscription is cool. But I think the honest list here is this top three of Hitman 3, Metroid Dread, and Monster Hunter Rise. And I am a little sad that there are no indie games on this list anymore. That is a bummer to me. I mean, like Hitman 3, we can't call an indie game, even though no, no. it sort of is in a, in a certain definition, but like, come on. Um, but I know I this is just, this is honest, the experience we had, you know? Yeah, yeah. like, I, like... Again, you didn't, y'all didn't put over a hundred hours into Monster Hunter Rise than I did, but you know I still have very fond memories of us playing, you know, multiplayer and just going on hunts. And like I said, I I want to check out the rest of this series now. It's so fucking cool. It gets to the cool part really quickly. So I don't know. Um, but let's talk about the game we haven't talked about at all and why it wins. <laughs> Before we get into that, I just wanted to say, like, we did have Paradise Killer as our game of the year last year, so... And like, if it came out this year? Would have won again? I, I don't... I, you know, Hitman might have beaten it, but uh, <laughs> tell you what, we would have gotten rid of fucking Monster <laughs> Sure. But, like, look, sometimes, like, we had to whittle this down, and sometimes this, like, is favored towards, like, you know, the big games that came out, but... I think, one, I think the rest of our list, like, the other podcasts we put out, we put out a lot of, like, really interesting stuff about the indie games that came out. Um, Like, there's obviously more to gaming than just, like, these games of the year or whatever. This is even, on a more meta level, this is just our excuse to, like, get really (laughs) passionate about games we like. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) I thought you were about to say something else but yeah. what? what 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 were you... to, so we're, we're, ble- we're bleeding the sleepy gen time it's fine let's just close this okay let's, 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 let's close this loop <laughs> let's talk about hitman 3 for about mm, i'm gonna give you two minutes <laughs> no. hitman, um, hitman 3 is a incredible conclusion to one of the most unlikely revivals i've ever seen the like it's impossible to talk about three without talking about the other two right because they're mm-hmm. so of a package, but but Hitman the, Three makes that easy because you can play Hitman One and Two inside of Hitman Three, and even like with it being this cohesive package where you have all of these games in here, they still manage to come up with new ideas for how a Hitman level can be that'll that'll that will wow you. Um, I I don't Jen help yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's incredible that they took that they've taken hitman 3 to these levels uh over the past five or so years i, I guess it's closer to six but uh well yeah, right five me. but yeah just over here here we pat it <laughs> it went from a niche stealth series that even was a bit too on the rough edge of things for like people who played mainstream games like Splinter Cell to a 
best-selling series that kind of lost its way and lost many of its fans to Hitman 2016, a passion project that reignited the whole thing and, like, made Hitman make sense. Just in terms of, like, getting in there, trying various fun ways to assassinate a few dudes, and... (laughs) Basically, through the process of making these three Hitman games, uh, they've gone from playing it incredibly safe in terms of like, okay, here's the core elements of what makes Hitman Hitman. Let's smooth things out. Let's make sure that... Let's fill... Let's create levels and fill them with an astounding amount of detail, but let's make sure that they hit everything that Hitman fans like about Hitman. They went from that to being like, okay, now that we've kind of nailed this, there's still something missing. We still think that we can go back and try narrative-focused Hitman levels again. And the results have been devices with folks, but in for my money... Only from it- stupid people, because the idea they came up with of like, listen, on your first playthrough you do the narrative stuff. After that, it's just a Hitman level. It's just the perfect elegant solution. I say elegant. I'm sure it was a lot of fucking work, but it's oh, yeah. great. But they made it fucking look so easy. Like, the second level of Hitman 3, that's like that whole fucking murder mystery thing. Like, like that is the second level, right? Yeah. 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 That, that level is a fucking who. You get to play a fucking detective and, like, just gather evidence and like figure shit out and then uh, you can solve the entire problem by like basically the target opens the safe for you and then you shoot her in the head it's so good you can even like you solve the 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 murder for her and she's like wow thank you i assumed since you're you know agent 47 in disguise you were here to murder me but thank you and you're like, no problem. And she hands you the data, and then she's like, uh, guards, I need some time alone. And then you just kill her anyway, and she's like, I should have seen this coming. <laughs> yeah, and there's also the fact that, like, you can you can take a look at this murder mystery, you can, like, fix a few mistakes that would-be killer has made, and then just let things sit, and over, over the course of the level, um, the killer will get the job done for you. <laughs> it is just... And in that level alone, there's just so many different things you can do and so many ways to, like, fuck with these rich people's day. Can't you, like, fucking frame a guy by, like, like changing You can frame tons of people. Yeah. You can frame, like, there are, everyone on the the list you can frame. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Uh, And that's just a single level of this thing. And that's, that is Not even the best level of this game. It's it's very good. It's not even the best level of this game. And IO is like now that they are self-publishing this game, like what the first game was like Warner Brothers games and then they well, dropped. No, the the first game was Square Enix and then Square Enix was like, yeah, this isn't doing it for us, but we'll sell the rights back to you. And then I I don't think the rights ever got into the hands of Warner Brothers, but Warner Brothers that was just a publishing to... deal. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. The Warner Brothers published it, and then like the, this third title was a self publish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like you know every everything in the game industry has sort of a light side and a dark side, right? And we get the light side here of a of a big studio, prestigious studio, self publishing, 
And then we have the dark side in uh, Destiny, <laughs> which just shat the fucking bed. Right. But it's like, and there's something to be said about, like, the continuing development of Hitman 3, because, like, with the success of this game, they already had, like, a DLC track, but they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to make more of this game because of how successful it is. And that's incredible. Yeah, like, the the plans they've announced for 2022, like, they're adding a whole roguelike element to this, and that's fucking bananas. I'm excited to see what that entails, but, uh... Yeah, it's... seems really sick. <laughs> like, as a, as a, like, conclusion to the World of Assassination trilogy, like, this game is absolutely fucking phenomenal, and I'm really, I really hope that IO, it, it seems like IO is going to take a break from Hitman after, I mean, they're going to do the development roadmap for 2022, we don't know where that's going to go, maybe it'll be a B team, because they got that big James Bond project they're working on, and it's like, looking at the shit that they were able to accomplish in hitman 3 makes me realize like oh if you these are some incredibly talented people making some incredible games and i think they can make like a really remarkable thing with the james bond license yeah if i had one big complaint with hitman 3 it's the thing that has kind of dogged the other two games and that uh the online component, like the requirement to be online, really sucks. And hopefully they end up patching that whenever they do decide to, like, take a step back from it. But uh, it's... Aside from that, like... It, it says a lot about the game that even with the draconian way they handle that online stuff, it is still a phenomenal game top to bottom. very happy to be standing here saying that the Scanline Media's 2021 best game is Hitman 3 with runners-up Monster Hunter Rise and Metroid Dread. It's been a long road getting from here to there. Everybody take a, oh, take a deep breath. I, I just took a big sigh. You know, that's going to sound great on the microphone. Uh, let like. me let me get Nick to play uh, Wipeout. We can all do the dance. Yeah, we just do the stretch. We did it! Let's just hang on. Here come the lyrics. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. This is the end of Scanline Media's 2021 Gimmick Awards. So, Kyrie, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, for some godforsaken reason, at Kyrie Page. Um, and also, that that's where I post stuff, um, mostly retweets. But also, hey... Listen to Jennifer and I's like Dangarampa podcast at you despaircast on twitter.com as well. After doing all these awards and doing some like reconfiguring of the schedules at like Scanline, like I'll we could start like seriously getting through like more Dangarampa stuff. And I don't know, it's great. I love doing that podcast, but yeah, that's where you'll find me. Yeah, we'll get to watch an anime soon, which will be which is exciting. Um, yeah, I, I yeah do really big fans of that show, right? <laughs> i have uh, thoughts um <laughs> yeah it's not nice to call your girlfriend that uh Jen, what have you got? <laughs> um so you can find me at jbu3 on twitter uh, most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia but i also host a narrative gaming book club podcast called novel not new a true end podcast which you can find at readinggames.online Excellent. 
Uh, you can find me as well at scanlinemedia.com and patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Uh, I, you know, thank you for joining us on this journey. Um, it's been, uh, it's been, yeah, I said a long road and I, I meant it. It's been a lot of work. Um, yeah. But harrowing even. Yeah. <laughs> like, gimmick awards might look different next year. Might try and be a little more smart about how much work this is. But maybe we, maybe we do fewer. Who knows? But honestly, knows? I, I have had a lot of fun recording these. Um, I do genuinely look forward to these you know, every year, like they are a lot of fun to just reflect and think about the games of that year and the moments and the everything. And I, I, I really appreciate doing them and I don't know. Let's wrap this up. We'll see y'all in a year. <laughs> All right. Peace out, everybody. See ya and look forward to more, more. Good night.